This is the Business Storytelling Podcast with Christoph Trapp, available on Google, Spotify, Apple, Pandora, and other podcast channels. Want to play it on your iPhone? Just ask Siri to play the Christoph Trapp Business Storytelling Podcast, also available on Alexa. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Hey, business storytellers, it's Christoph Trapp, your host and author of Content Performance Culture, now available at contentperformance.com. And today, I'm going to talk about binge-worthy content, binge-worthy branding. Of course, uh, binging anything comes in the context of watching something on Netflix or uh, whatever, uh, Amazon Prime Video. Uh, And of course, who wouldn't want their content, their branding to be binge-worthy? So who better to ask to come on the show as uh, Sterling McKinley. He's the author of the book, Binge Worthy Branding, available on Amazon and everywhere else. Um, you can actually just go to ctrap.online forward slash binge worthy. That will redirect you to Amazon. Uh, easy to find that way, or you can just search for it. Sterling, how's it going today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. So uh, happy to ha- happy to have you on the show. So tell me. What prompted you to think about binge-worthy branding, and, and what is that? Yeah, um, well, it's kind of a funny story. So um, I'll start off last year uh, before the pandemic hit. I was traveling from state to state and from country to country giving a talk. And the talk I was giving was called The Future of Digital Marketing, AI, Analytics, and, Auto- and Automation. And, you know, something just, just stuck. I mean, the talk went, went great. Um, everywhere I would go, the crowds would be incredible. People would be sitting on the floor in the aisles. When I was done talking, I had a receiving line of 30, 40 people. It was it was amazing. And, you know, as I went from city to city, it just dawned on me like, wow, if people are responding this much to it, I should take everything I'm talking about and put it in a book format. So uh, that's kind of how I started. Um, next, the title Binworthy was kind of a, a mistake. I remember one day I was in the car with my wife driving and a commercial a commercial came on about something about binge watching TV or something like that. I said, wow, binge worthy. And kind of like you just said, you know, we all want to make our brands binge worthy. So the book, you know, I talk about how Amazon, Netflix and Starbucks are binge worthy brands. And by that, I mean, they create experiences that are so engaging, that are so enticing, that are so customer focused their customers come back again and again to their brand. So think about Amazon. Amazon during this pandemic lockdown is going up. They're making more money. You know, every day I go outside, my wife has another package coming. You know, because why? Because they're easy to do business with. And think about Netflix. We all are home watching a show. We know how it is to plan to watch one show. And then one show becomes two, three, four, five. And before you know it, a whole season is gone. And then, you know, I think about Starbucks, you know, people's coffee addiction, standing in line at Starbucks for 20, 30 minutes. Why? Because you need that coffee. And it's more than about coffee. It's about the experience that Starbucks offers. So the book is talking about how we can take some of those same principles about how to use AI to personalize your brand to really build greater engagement with your customers. Because once again, when you being more personal, when you're talking to your customers as individuals, not as a group, that's going to create a real bond. That's going to help them come back to you again and again. Um, Sterling, not just your wife. We get packages <laughs> here like every day from Amazon. Sometimes I don't know that I even order it, honestly. But right. um, super easy to deal with, right? 
and and I'm more the Dunkin' Donuts guy, even though their line is getting much longer than <laughs> as well. But right. I hear you. So, but how do brands, and then I'm thinking on the content side, what brand comes to my mind mm-hmm. who is binge-worthy? And, you know, last year, I have to say, th- this year I'm not doing any traveling really because of COVID, right? Everybody is staying put right. or, or a lot of people are. But last year I, I binge consumed the points guy, the pointsguy.com. I mean, it was just like nonstop travel content, right? Okay. Um, and other than that, like how, what brand comes to mind or how can brands um, stay in front of people and be actually binge worthy? Yeah, well, you know, I think it's easier than we, we think we, we make it to be. Um, so, I mean, there are a lot of brands. You think about Chick-fil-A, you think about, uh, Apple, we think about Disney, Nike. These are brands that are always seem to be at the forefront. And I think it comes down to a few things. It comes down to one that's telling a story. And not just telling a story, but it's telling a story that really resonates with your with your consumers. So, you know, these brands have become like icons. Why? Because they're more than just a product. They're more than just a service. They become part of their our lives. So, you know, in the book I talk about about AI and AI is simply, you know, a tool. Most people, when you say AI, think of the Terminator, they think of the Matrix, they think one day we'll be in caves, hiding from robots, and that's just not true. Well, I hope it's not. (laughs) But, you know, these are just computer programs that can, you know, analyze information and data and find trends. That's it. AI is simply just a tool. So, you know, one thing I do in this book is try to break down AI and say, hey, it's not this scary technology that's going to take your job and where your life, but it's a tool. And, you know, if you think about it every day, we're using AI power software. Think about Google maps, think about watching Netflix, think about shopping on Amazon, thinking about the, the nest thermostat in, in your home. These all tools are using some form of AI. So I think it's really, really simple. If you think about it and, and these tools are using AI, what's it kind of track our behavior to try to get an idea of what we're doing. And I feel like we're in a new age now where instead of guessing what your customer wants, instead of guessing what they're doing, instead of trying to go through tons and tons of data, you can use the AI power software to help you analyze that data and show you trends that your customers are going to react to. So I think it's all about that. And then it's about taking those trends and then building those trends back into your marketing, back into your branding. So one thing I talk about in my book is uh, personalization. And, you know, for years, even now, people still think that personalizing email is having the city and the state. That's not enough. Customers are smart to that now. They, they can tell when a customer, when a company is using a, a software that seems robotic and is sending them an email every day. It's, it's not real. But I think what companies must do now is take that data that we're getting from our analytics, that we're getting from our software and build that in. So, now your email should be more personal. They should be talking to what that person likes. And once again, in the book, I go back to the example of Netflix. Netflix is tracking our past viewing uh, behavior and then showing us shows, recommending us shows that are based on that past behavior. So I think companies have to act the same way. Stop guessing and start using the data and analytics to get an idea of what your customers may like. And, you know, it's interesting about, I mean, everybody's always worried about any technology taking your job. So really quickly, I use automation daily. And I'll, I'll tell you one thing. 
if I had to ever change my title, I would say I would call myself a supervisor of automation. You know what I mean? Because even <laughs> right. though it's automated, you still have to look exactly whether it's doing it correctly, whether whatever. And the other thing is when it comes to Netflix, um, you know, I, I like it. I binge watch stuff on there, but it's not always correct. Yeah. Sometimes it says 57% right. match. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I love that show. How right, can right, you right. not know? And sometimes it tells me, to walk watch something else it's 98 percent match and i'm like that's a chick flick right <laughs> and i don't i don't like to watch them ever right right um so don't be too worried about that but so how can how can people use ai what's the the easiest way in the door to um to use that to make your your brand bench worthy right well i think it depends what you're trying to do so you know i like to say that ai is not an out-of-box solution it's not a one size fit all. And kind of like you just said, AI can make mistakes. It, it can be off. Um, that, that can happen. But, you know, I say in my book too that AI is not a set it and forget it technology. You can't just buy a piece of software and, you know, hit start and it's going to change your business. It doesn't work that way. It's going to give you information. But like you just said, you have to check that data to make sure that it's not biased and that it makes sense for your customers. So to get started, I really say just find out what do you want to do. So uh, if you're a company that's new to AI, it can be very scary, intimidating. You know, you're probably hearing something really big, like a enterprise solution, like um, like like Watson, I'll be in Watson, something like that. So then call it a ton, ton of money. But I say you start small. So say, you know what? Hey, we have email campaigns. Let's use an AI power email uh, software. That's going to help us increase our conversion rates. That's the easy way to start, I think. You know, start starting small. So your email. Um, if you think about social media, once again, you know, we can guess all day what content is going to work best for our audience, or we can look at our analytics that are within uh, software like um, Instagram and Facebook or something like Hootsuite. That's going to tell us what are the trends, what are people responding to what times of day are they being content and then once again take that information and build that back into your marketing so it really it starts out how, how do you want to start how do you want to start you know if you have a website and you're selling e-commerce you know the old days of e-commerce every home page was the same but you think about amazon that's kind of changed the game now with their algorithm they have a uh homepage that changes based on your behavior and based on what you bought and what you saw. So that same type of software is available for a smaller company where you can have a website after you're selling e-commerce that changes based on your visitor, based on their login information. So AI is, like I say, it's a, a swift army knife. What do you want us to do? You know, I said, I say first to find your, your what, what do you want to do? And then there are tons, there are hundreds of thousands of great software out here. Some that yes, enterprise solutions and some a lot that are affordable that you can apply. But I think the first step is finding out exactly what do you want to do? Yeah, so we actually had uh, very good points. Uh, we had the founder um, of Raza.io on the show and, and uh, check that out, uh, R-A-S-A.io. Um, there's an episode uh, back a few, we're almost to 200 guys, if you haven't noticed that. Uh, so super excited about that, how many episodes we've had and, 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 wow. and all the awesome guests on there. 
Um, but anyway, so that's that technology. It's basically AI in email marketing, right? And what it does, and you can listen to the whole show, but really quickly, um, what it does is I say, this is the pool of content that I want you to draw from. And sometimes it's my content, sometimes it's other websites that it would link to. And then you have calls to action with the email. And then based on what the, the software knows about the audience and their behavior, it sends them different emails, right? Um, and so super easy to implement um, theoretically, and I don't know what the price point is, uh, but there are tools out there that allow you to do that. What other tools, Sterling, are you aware of that, that people should use or, or, or what else? I mean, email, you mentioned that. Uh, how about the website? Are there things on the website people should focus on when it comes to that or, or what's, the, what's the next logical step typically? Right. For your website, I would say getting a chatbot is uh, really, really important. So, you know, when a customer comes to your website, they're ready to buy. And if they have to send the email and wait for a response, they're not going to stop looking for another company. They're <clears> going to go back to Google and they're going to do another search for another company. And then if you get back to them soon enough, you, you may still get them. But, you know, when somebody comes to your website, they are ready to interact. So, I think chatbots are, are amazing. Um, there's automated chatbots. They kind of just give basic information. And then there's um, AI-powered chatbots that have more conversations. So I think that's key. They really capture those, those conversations when they're happening. Um, you can even use something like like Facebook. They have a great chatbot as well that you can integrate uh, into your website. So I think for your website, a chatbot is a great way to go to really integrate uh, AI into your <laughs> into your website. And I think, you know, we're talking about AI, we're talking about being personal, but I think it all comes back to having an awesome customer experience. And, you know, I like to say that the new battlefield is customer experience. That's what it's all about. You know, yes, people are buying products and services. Yes, companies are competing on brands, but how is your customer experience? How is it, how is it for me to do business with your company? So I think right now, you know, Consumers have been, in a way, spoiled by companies like Amazon, Starbucks, Netflix, Chick-fil-A. They're expecting that same level of, of service, of, of being responsive from your brand. So I feel like companies now are kind of forced to really upgrade what they're doing. Um, so I think chatbots are a great way to offer that, you know, that real-time interaction when somebody's ready to interact with your company. And, you know... See, this is what happens when you got like 180 episodes, right? Already done. Uh, we <laughs> did have uh, the Drift VP of content on the show. So Drift actually is a chat by company. And what's interesting about that is um, they're calling it conversational marketing. So take, yes. a, take a listen to that episode. Super interesting. Uh, it's, it's in the, the feed, of course. And, you know, I, I know I keep mentioning it. It's, we're also now available on Pandora, Pandora Podcasts, uh, and of course, all the other um, channels. So Sterling, here's my question for you. So I, so I'm trying to think, okay, who am I binge consuming, right? Like who, what brand? And a couple of things come to mind. I mean, uh, Apple, I guess, right? I got yes. uh, the AirPod Pros in, I'm, we're recording on my iPhone. I got my iPad in front of me. Uh, I do actually also have a computer screen and a laptop, but I'm not actually using them for this purpose. Right. Um, you know, and now, now I recently, my, my old, uh, Apple watch broke. 
So um, use Delta airline points to get a new one. Uh, <laughs> wow. But but I wanted I wanted that right. I wanted the, the Apple Watch, not just another watch. Um, so am I binge consuming Apple, or is that not the definition? Yes, I, I believe so. I mean, if we think of binge, we think of consuming a large amount of content or services in a short period. But, you know, one thing I really say in the book that it's about building a relationship with your customers and relationships aren't they don't last a day. They don't last a week or a month. They're long term. So I think what companies like Apple have done is awesome. They've created an ecosystem, whether that's iTunes or <laughs> iCloud or uh, iPad, iMac, iPhone, everything. And they keep you in that system. So yeah, you know what? I might only buy a, a MacBook every couple of years, but so what? I'm still in the system. I'm still using their platform. So, you know, it doesn't have to be uh, like you're purchasing every day from a company, but it's all about customer loyalty. So, you know, all I buy are, are MacBooks or MacBook Pros. You know, I had a few experiences in the past with PCs. They died on me, and from that day on, I said, "You know what? <laughs> I'm going straight with uh, with Macs," and I never left them since then. Since that time, I mean, I've only bought I think three new Macs, but once again, that's customer loyalty because you know, think about think about Apple, and this is why I say is that companies have to be different, and they have to be big on customer service. Right now, there are so many different um, companies online, the great companies, but in my opinion, they have terrible customer service. So if you go to the website, there's no phone number. There's a chat bot, but guess what? The chat bot is not manned. So you got to put in your information and hopefully in three to six days, somebody will get back to you. <laughs> you know, sometimes I have a problem with my with my camera, my Canon camera I use to record my podcast. That's broken. I wish I could call somebody in real time. I wish I could go somewhere and talk to a real person. But Apple has this thing called the Genius Bar, which you sure you know about. And they had saved my butt many a times, you know, my computer was dead, which I thought, you know, I went there. I talked face to face with a real person. They were able to take my computer in the back. You know, I waited. I looked around the store and bought some things I, I didn't need. And lo and behold, they fixed my laptop. And not even that, they fixed it. Most times they fixed it, it was free because it was still under Apple Care warranty. So, you know, that's what I mean by, by that loyalty. Yeah, I don't buy a MacBook every day. I, I don't need to. But I'll pay the higher price for for their um their computers because I know they last, and not only will they last, I know they have support. They have a problem. I can call them, I can text them, I can email them, I can go to a store when those are back open. You know, that's the kind of thing that builds that customer loyalty. And you know, I think about if you ever go in the mall when malls were a thing, <laughs> the Apple stores are always crazy. I mean, you walk by and you're like, man, are they giving away free computers? People are just in there. Why? Because Apple has that strong brand. People know they're getting a great piece of machinery that not only looks great, that performs well. And Apple, once again, does a great job of telling that story through the commercials, through, through the website, through the email, everything. So once again, I'm drawn back again and again to Apple because they have a really strong uh, brand and they have really good customer service. You know, and what's interesting too, just because we're uh, binge consuming any brand doesn't mean we have to love everything about them. I'll give you an example. Right. Uh, this podcast, you know, of course, it's distributed on all the different channels, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Breaker or whatever it is, uh, those other ones. And um, a lot of traffic comes from Apple Podcasts. But here's the thing. 
I think it's the worst experience. I think it's mm -hmm. like, it sticks. I think it's terrible. I don't right. use it. I use Google Podcasts. I love that app. Right. Um, so I hate that. But then on, on the flip side, I, I love, hopefully I can say it with any of these things going off, you know, I could just go, hey, Siri, play the business storytelling podcast right. and they play it off the of Apple podcast, right? Exactly. So, so interesting. Um, you know, not everything has to be so, so black and white uh, when you think about consumption. Can we, let's shift to uh, content, uh, the content a brand produces. I mean, part of binge worthiness also comes back to, are you engaging with the brand, right? I mean, are you looking right. forward to getting their content? I mean, is that, um, how do brands do that? How do brands create stuff that's not just superlative Latin uh, marketing gobbledygook? Right. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I'll use Netflix again as an example. You know, once again, you think about the home screen. You think about shows like Orange is the New Black, or you think about shows like um, ah, I'm going to Black now, but they 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 have a lot of shows. Stranger Things, Thirteen Reasons. You know, those are some of the bigger shows, but you know, if Netflix looks at their their data of their customer and they can find a popular customers like a show, they don't guess like traditional TV studios do or movies do. They don't guess what's going to be a TV show. They look at their data and they say, you know what? We're finding, um, let's say, 500,000 people that like to see strong female leads in, in a show. They like to see shows that are based in a city. Uh, have a happy ending and they like seeing this actor or actress. They then take that data and they build a show around it. So in, in a sense, they're building content that's almost guaranteed to, to succeed. Now, sometimes it doesn't. The content falls flat in its face, but sometimes the content does very well. Why? Because before they start creating content, they looked at their customer and said, hey, our customers like this. Let's give them that. So that's what I mean by what I said earlier. Stop, stop guessing. You know, we're living in a time now where due to uh, technology or digital or social, we can track so much on our customers. So we don't have to guess anymore. We should be recommending and creating content around that. So I believe once you do that, you kind of increase that rate of consumption because the person says, wow, this piece of content that I'm bringing, this show, this video, this song is based around what I already wanted what I'm already thinking about. So then I'm going to engage more with the content. So I think that's a great way. Once again, going back to using AI, going back to looking at your analytics, looking at your data, because it's going to tell you what topic of content you can create. So for a business, let's think about it. Okay, fine. You want to create content. Next question. What type of content? Is it going to be a podcast? Is it going to be a video? Is it going to be a white paper? Figure that out. But you can figure it out by looking at your website. See what gets what yeah. gets viewed more. Is it the videos? Is it the podcast? <laughs> is it the PDFs? Whatever. So take that information about your customer and then build it back into your marketing and your branding. So once again, I think we have to get into the aspect of creating content for our customers. Don't just sit down and your computer and just write an article. You can do that and you can hope that it succeeds, or you can have an idea. You can say, let me check first. And let's see if our customer base likes this idea and then create content around that. And I think that too is going to cut down on a huge problem in advertising is ad waste. I believe companies are spending millions and millions of dollars per year creating bullet plate commercials, bullet plate content that doesn't resonate with their customers. 
when instead they could step back and do the data, do the groundwork first, and then I'd say create that content that is almost guaranteed to succeed. Why? Because they know for a fact that people are resonating with that content. Of course, that's a concept I, I talk about at length in contentperformance.com, guys. So check that out. If you still haven't gotten your copy, it's been sold in Asia, Europe, North and South America. So if you're listening on Australia, do me a favor, get your copy, please, so we can hit all the continents. Um, you know, the one thing that, Sterling, that I really think uh, they need to add on Netflix is how sad you are when you're done watching 12 episodes of <laughs> Working Moms or whatever. Right. And there's some shows, it's like, yeah, whatever. But there's some shows, you know, I'm done watching. I was like, oh, that's it? Like, I've only right. watched 39 hours of the show in a <laughs> row. Um, right. So, like, how do they measure that, right? That, you know, how do I feel when I'm done? Uh, maybe they look at the time in between uh, the episodes. I don't know. Very interesting discussion. Um, certainly, it's easier said than done to create content that's uh, binge worthy. Uh, check out Sterling's book, Seatrap uh, Dot Online, binge worthy. It's all lowercase. Uh, pushes you over to the Amazon uh, Amazon page. Other than that, Sterling, where can people find you? Where can people connect with you? Yeah, so on my website, um, sterlingmckinney.com is a great place. Also, I'm on all the major social media channels on, on Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter, um, and LinkedIn. If you go to any of those platforms and you type in Sterling McKinley, uh, you can find me there, and that is the best way to uh, connect with me. Fantastic. Thanks for joining us, and thanks for sharing all your insights today. Great. Thanks for having me. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Until next time, appreciate your taking time to listen to the Business Storytelling Podcast. Do you need help with digital marketing for your small to medium-sized business? Reach out now and drop us a message at ctrap at gmail.com.